Did you get that? That's all I have tonight. Let's jump into Jehoshaphat. Oh, now you got it. Come on. As we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 17 through 20 tonight, encourage you to be praying. Again, for Camp Arrowwood and the provisions, we have men up there working in the cold, <laughs> but just praying that the barn project would get finished. We get that uh, kind of weatherized so we can start doing the work inside. Tonight, second cross himself against Israel. Lord, we thank you again for helping us learn about life through the kings. Lord, the good kings and the bad kings. Lord, as we see Ahab today. And Lord, we just pray that our own hearts would be as seeking as Jehoshaphat. And Lord, that we would learn through his failures as well. Trying to knit ourselves to the world and make compromise. And so, Father, that you would touch our hearts tonight by your word and that you'd bless those who are home watching on the internet. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time we were together, we, we're, we, we were with King Asa, and now we come into his son, Jehoshaphat, and we talked about how Asa had compromised, and tonight we're going to see that as well in the life of Jehoshaphat. But he's an interesting king. He is a king who started really well, then was dumb, and then ended well. How about that? Your pastor, you're talking about my life then, <laughs> right? That's where we are. So take comfort in his failure that you will see tonight, but his strength far as uh, getting rid of the idols in his nation, getting rid of those things that would harm other people, but as we will see as he makes this alliance with Ahab and how dumb that was, that we would learn from that as well. And then hopefully tonight we will end with his prayer uh, and another great battle against to which the Lord conquers on his behalf. So then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead in his place and he strengthened himself against Israel. That means he begins to fortify the southern part of Israel against the northern tribes. And so he placed, verse 2, troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Here is the reason. Because he walked in the former ways of his father David. Now you're going to hear this phrase over and over. If he is a good king or relatively good king, you're going to hear that he walked in the ways of his father David. Now, that's not his father David. It's his great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather. But the idea is that David is the measuring line, if you can believe that, the plumb line for who, who left over here. Because you know who David is. And yet he's a man after God's own heart. Lots of failure but quick to go to the Lord and then receive that instruction, you know, from Nathan the prophet and other prophets that came around. So I want you to, you'll see that phrase. Now, if he's not a good king, he'll say, and then he followed the ways after that uh, corrupt father that usually came before him. And notice he did not seek the Baals or the foreign gods. 
but sought the God of his father. And he walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Now, the acts of Israel are that intermarrying of paganism and Judaism. It was, for our purposes, it was a watering down of those things of the Lord that kind of what we see today. We see denominations uh, taking things out, adding things to it. And uh, Jehoshaphat said, hey, listen, we don't want any part of that. Now, remember that because we're going to get into him having this alliance with Ahab in the north. So after some time, it seems like the older we get, how many of you are in this place? No show of hands. The older you get, the less you just want to fight. You know, I just, I just want peace, and so I figured this is a good way to peace. But it, it ultimately is not. I, I think I have found in my life, you have to fight. You have to protect your family. You have to protect those around you. And specifically in our own nation right now, we have to fight for what we still believe. And if you can believe this, fight for the Constitution. The freedom to just worship together. It was funny. I was listening to Pastor Joe Foch teach in 2012. And he was teaching. He goes, you know, we live in the United States, this great nation, we, we have this First Amendment, and he was going on and on how, uh, could you imagine us ever not being able to meet as a church? And I laughed, and I went, fast forward eight years, because his church in Philly couldn't do that. Well, they, Jehoshaphat was a good king, because he did not walk, verse 4, in the Acts of Israel. Now therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all of Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. I want you to take note of one thing about Jehoshaphat here in verse 6. It says that he delighted in the ways of the Lord. Can I ask you this question? Do you like God? Not love him, but do you like him? Do you like the Bible? Do you like coming to church? I mean, you look at a section like this, and it made Jehoshaphat happy because he was surrounded with the things of the Lord. I'm preaching to the choir. It's Wednesday night. (laughs) I'm not sure you were forced here. You're like, it's Wednesday night. I need to be around the body of Christ, and I need to be washed by the water of the world because I'm so filthy from living in the world and watching whatever, listening (laughs) to whatever. But I I love this phrase that his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. When the Lord was moving in his life, he praised the Lord for that, and he saw that the good and the bad. Moreover, he removed the high places. So it wasn't just his words. He acted out what he believed. And what he believed was the pagan altar places needed to be removed from his area of Judah. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent leaders, and you're going to have a wonderful time later reading these leaders' names, seven and eight. He sends now these leaders He sends these priests all throughout 
the area of, of Judah, uh, and we're going to see what they do here in verse 9. And so they taught in Judah and had the book of the, the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Why is Jehoshaphat a good king? Because not only is he delighting in the things of the Lord, he wants other people to delight in the things of the Lord. Isn't that great? That's good news. That's what we are to be as ambassadors for Christ, to say, listen, coming to church is exciting. We've got coffee and mints. <laughs> However you tell people about coming to church... And you, you can make this statement, listen, it's not just me having this religious experience. Uh, I would differ from Governor Cuomo and Governor uh, Gavin Newsom that they don't think that, well, they call it religion, it is essential, but it is. My walk with God is eternity. It's not just something that we do here and punch a clock. We really do delight in the things of the Lord, because he has set us free. Well, a good king sends out priests to teach the people, and verse 10 tells us the result of that, and the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdom. Why? Because they were taught the word of God. They knew what was right, what was wrong. Half the battle is knowing what God says for our lives. It's all here in this book for us to know and to learn. And so the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah. And so they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So not only does it give a healthy dose of fear to the people who are there, but also those around. Why? Because they learn about what God has already done for the nation of Israel up to that point. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents. You know you're doing well when your enemies are coming towards you. And they're bringing silver as a tribute. And the Arabians brought him flocks. Note this great number, 7,000 and 700 rams and 7,700 male goats. And so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and stored cities in Judah. And he had much property in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. And it's going to tell us about his army now. Now, these are the numbers according to their father's houses of Judah, the captains of thousands, Admin, the captain, and with him were 300,000 mighty men of valor. This is just two tribes in the south. Muster 300,000 troops. And next to him was Jehoahan, the captain, and with him were 280,000. So now we have 580,000. And next to him, Amaziah, the son of Zikri, who is willing to offer himself to the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men. So now we're up to 780,000. Remember, this is just two southern little tribes. It's not... The, the ten northern tribes, this is the two southern tribes. And of Benjamin, there were 200,000 men. So now we're over a million strong. Um, in the United States of America, we barely have a million strong. Uh, over the last uh, present administrations, we've been cutting our military force, military force, and we barely can muster that right now. This is Israel. 
B.C., and they've got a million troops. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because that helps us go into the next chapter. And next to him was Jehoasad, and with him was another 180,000 troops prepared for war, and they served the king beside the king and put their fortresses throughout all of Judah. So over a million troops, that takes us into this next important chapter, chapter 18. Now, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. Now, right out of the bat, dumb. Why is that dumb? What did we read in the last chapter? Ahab is the king of the northern tribe. And we already talked about how the northern tribe, what they have done is they, they are practicing a false religion up there. It is heresy. They are mixing paganism with all the gods, the Baals, and as well as a little bit of Judaism. So why would a good king do something so dumb? You ever wondered that with politicians? They're doing so well. And then you go, what? Why'd you you do that? Well, here we have Jehoshaphat. Notice he has riches and honor, and he aligns himself, he allies himself with the enemy. Now, Does anybody in the room watching us on the radio, wherever, think that that is a good idea? Do you think anything good is going to come from the statement that Paul tells us to not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? Anybody think this is going to go well? No. And are you starting to see as well, we see that first chapter, he's doing so well, but then we get into this chapter and we We don't see a whole lot of communication between God and Jehoshaphat. Again, this happens a lot in people's lives. They get older, they get honor, they get riches. It's in abundance, and they stop relying upon the Lord like they did in the beginning. And what often happens is they do really dumb things, like align themselves with the most wickedest king the north has ever seen. Good night. I mean, that's the end of it, isn't it? That's going to be the end of this chapter. Now, after some years, he went down to visit Ahab. Would you note with me, Jerusalem is always on top. You go up to Jerusalem and Jerusalem and of the temple and the presence of the Lord to go be with your enemy and visit with them. Well, pastor, he's just trying to go across party lines. Well, I don't know about you, but this country used to be a country of playing fair, but those days are gone. They don't play fair anymore. And Ahab has a wife, who knows her name? Thank you, just say say it out. Carol, what did you say? Jezebel. So no one read ahead. Now you have to do at least three Hail Marys. That'll get you going tonight. (laughs) So he has a wicked wife who has 400 prophets of Baal. Paganism is run rampant in their administration. And so he thinks, I got a great idea. Let me marry into that and then let me go visit them. Because what could happen? What could bad happen to me? 
Nothing good will come of that. I know I was talking about this recently. Nothing good happens after 12 a.m. So why do it? Why put yourself in a position to be tempted? Listen, we can we we don't need Satan's help at all. We do our own dumb stuff. Amen. Jehoshaphat didn't need the devil tempting him to go to Ahab. He was doing it all by himself. He was aligning himself all by himself with the enemy. That's why this chapter is so sad, because you read one and two, and you go, what are you doing? You delighted yourself in the ways of the Lord. But Jehoshaphat is older, and he thinks he's got it. And that's where we we can often come into real problems. Well, let's see Ahab. (laughs) Now remember, Ahab is wicked to the core. His wife, wicked. Now he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him. So um, red flag should be somebody's cooking me barbecue, and it's my enemy, right? He's trying to butter him up. He's trying to bring him in. How many troops does Jehoshaphat have? Over a million. He doesn't need to go. By this this time, you can go back and read in, in Kings about Ahab. He doesn't have over a million troops. Jehoshaphat could walk in and destroy the northern part of Israel like that. He has the strength. He has the numbers behind him, and yet he's going to talk to his enemy. And he killed the oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. This means to go fight the enemy at Ramoth Gilead. Is this Jehoshaphat's fight? No. Should he be doing it at all? No. He shouldn't even be having ribs. Do you see that? Well, listen, there is a point where we have got to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've got to use discernment. And oftentimes a believer gets themselves in a pickle like Jehoshaphat because he never prayed about it at all. We don't see him having a conversation with the Lord until later on. And by that time, it's a little too late. Mm-hmm. Verse 3, so Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And would you hear statement number three, which is dumb? I am as you are, and my people as your people, we will go with you to war. Now, is that true or not? Is he like Ahab? Is he wicked? No. Is the people of Judah like the people of Israel? No. They are two different groups. They worship differently. They have different belief systems. So therefore, they shouldn't be aligning themselves. Listen, I'm going to make this statement. When Paul says not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, that that applies to marriage, but it applies to business as well. But it also applies to this. There are a lot of believers who would align themselves with another believer with a different belief system in a different denomination. Can I tell you? 
that's going to be unwise. You're going to have problems because that denomination might believe X, Y, and Z, but you do not. How are you going to raise your kids? Are you going to raise them to believe X, Y, and Z about that, but not this, and now you're going to bring confusion to your children because you have two different denominational beliefs? But they're a Christian. Huh? Yes. But they believe a certain way. They act a certain way. Man, there's a lot of wackiness going on in Christianity today or what is called the church. I don't got that time tonight. I want you to underline this, highlight this. This is a statement from a good king who says, I'm like you. No, you're not. You're not any like Ahab. You're not like him at all. Nor are your people. Your people follow Jehovah God in and at Jerusalem, in the temple, worshiping him as God had directed, not like the northern tribes. Well, at verse 4, finally, he, he brings up God. And so Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire of the word of the Lord today. It's like Jehoshaphat said, well, I'm going to do all of this. Uh, all right, I'll ask, I'll, I'll talk to God for a minute. The, the goal should be that we should talk to God and then we should do the project. Wouldn't that save us a whole lot of grief? Amen. A lot of time is wasted by us not bringing that thing to the Lord. And so the king of Israel gathered together, the prophets together. Notice 400 men. Now these are posers as prophets. They're called prophets, but they are not worshiping the true and the living God. So they're religious men with robes. They've got parking spaces out front that say clergy, but they're not men of, men of God. And so there's 400 of them, and they said to them, shall we go up against war against Ramoth Gilead, <laughs> or shall we refrain? And so they said, oh, no, go up. Notice they use God, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. How do they know that when they don't even know who Jehovah God is? Oh, they use his name, but they don't know who he is. Do you know people like this who use the name of God but don't know who he is? They don't know his ways. They don't know what he requires. They don't know about his character, but they claim God. 70% of the nation calls themselves Christians. How is that possible? Because there are a lot of people like these 400 prophets. Now, I give it to Jehoshaphat that he's got enough discernment at this moment. It's like the light bulb comes on, but that light bulb blows up in a minute. So let's turn the light bulb on for a minute. And so Jehoshaphat said, is there still not a prophet of the Lord here? Notice he says, Lord, Yahweh God, that we might inquire of him. And so the king of Israel, that's Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, yeah, there still is one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Isn't it interesting that Ahab still has one guy that he knows? He has all of his yes men, but he's, he's still got that one guy that he knows. <laughs> Let's see him describe him. Yeah, there's still one man in whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> Why do I hate him? Because he never prophesies good concerning me. Who loves that statement? 
Or is it just me? I don't like him because when I come to church, he tells me bad things about my life. Do you see that? I don't like going to church because they're too preachy. I don't like going to church because they use the Bible. Oh, do you see some of the crazy things that people say? (laughs) I just want to watch the video of this because I think it's hilarious. He never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Now, again, that light bulb is on for just a moment. It'll burn out. But he goes, hey, don't treat the Lord's anointed that way. He's still the prophet of the Lord. And so the king of Israel called one of his officers, and he said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, so they're all fancy, sat each on their throne and sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, had made horns of iron for himself. (laughs) It doesn't tell us why. He just likes props. And he said, thus says the Lord, will these, I'm sorry, with these you shall goad the Syrians until they're destroyed. Isn't it interesting how this prophet uses props and uses something to sway the attention or the, uh, you know, to use his position, well, to lull them in a false sense of security. I won't even go into that tonight. I'm going to be real kind. And the prophets prophesied so, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper. For notice, they use the Lord again. The Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. And then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now listen to the words of the prophets with one accord and encourage the king. Therefore, please let your words be like the words of one of them and speak encouragement. So here's this guy and he brings him up. He said, listen, everybody in the mainstream media is saying this, so don't say anything else against it or we'll ban you. Listen, I'm thankful by the way, that we live in a nation where there is other sources at least to where we go. I was listening to somebody recently, and they were from China. (laughs) You'll, You'll love this. And she goes, we don't understand why you in America listen to the media. And this person said, why? She goes, because we know our media is corrupt and is part of the state. You apparently don't. And I went, oh, she's she's like a prophet. So this guy says, Micaiah, get on board with the talking points. Not to go off on this, but you ever watch like a mainstream media uh, uh, montage and they all are saying the same exact phrase? How is that possible unless they got an email that day that said all these people say the same thing? But there's no collusion out there. Let's keep going. Look, it's as old as the Bible isn't it? There is nothing new under the sun. Now we just got banned on Facebook. (laughs) And so, please, this is why I want to watch this on the jumbo screen in heaven. 
So Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever my God says, I will speak. And so he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, and I'm sure he said it in kind of a snarky way, oh, go up and prosper, that they shall be delivered into your hand. Now, how do I know he said it in some way? Because listen to the king. And so the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you shall tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? The king knew that he was funning on him. That's why I want to see that. I'm sure he made some face and grabbed the goads or something. And then he said, I saw Israel, verse 16, scattered on the mountains as sheep who have no shepherd. Now that said, so let each one return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Listen, Ahab knows it's right, and yet he goes against it anyway. Isn't that interesting? He knows the truth, but he spins it so he can go along with his own program, his own plan. Then Micaiah said, verse 18, Therefore hear the words of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven sitting at his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up? that he might fall at Ramoth-Gilead. And so one spoke in this manner and another in that manner. And a spirit came forth and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said, well, in what way? <laughs> and he said, I will go out and be like a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do this. It's, this is the same thing that happened to uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh had hardened his heart and hardened his heart, and so the Lord at some point then said, okay, I'm going to harden your heart even further. Ahab wanted what he wanted, and so God brought him exactly what he wanted. Remember, sometimes God will give us exactly what we want, but that's not what we want or need. And so, mm-hmm. Uh, 22, therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has uh, declared disaster against you. And so Zedekiah, the son of Chenaniah, went near, remember the guy who had the iron, iron goad, and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit from the Lord go from me to you and to speak to you? Ooh, <laughs> little testy, aren't we? And so Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chambers and hide. And the king of Israel said, take Micaiah and return him to Amnon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say thus, says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to know what the bread of affliction is. And water of affliction until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, if if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, take away all your people. So Micaiah just says right at the end, buddy, if I see you, I'm a false prophet. And we know he's not a false prophet. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, this is a good chapter, isn't it? <laughs> not going well. 
they go up to Ramoth Gilead, verse 29, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Don't you love this? Ahab said, I think in the back of Ahab's mind, he can hear Micaiah. Like, I, just in case that guy is right, I'm not going to put on my king's robes, but I'm going to tell Jehoshaphat to put on all his king robes. So, now the king of Syria had commanded the captains and the chariots who were with him and said, fight with no one small or great, but only the king of Israel. Ahab was getting an arrow no matter what this day. God had judged him. God had given him plenty of time. God had brought prophets before Ahab, and Ahab had chosen not to heed the Lord, and now it was time for Ahab to be taken away. And so it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrounded him to attack him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. Can you imagine this scene? He's in his chariot, and all of the armies surround Jehoshaphat. And we don't know how, but he cried out in such a way that not only everybody on the battlefield heard it, but the Lord God heard it. And I love this, the Lord helped him. Why? Because of the last chapter. Do you see that? Because he had delighted himself in the ways of the Lord. Oh, he was being dumb here, but he was still a follower of God. And so God diverted them from him. And so it was when the captains of the chariots saw it, that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And here it is, verse 33. Here is life in God's universe. Now, a certain man drew a bow at random, and I have a feeling this is the guy. <laughs> the battle is going on, and this guy's like, man, if I go back to the garrison with you know an, a full quiver, they're just going to yell at me, and then I'm going to get like, latrine duty, and I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to fire a couple of arrows out, right? So as this guy pulls it back and fires an arrow, note with me, he, he drew a bow at random, and it struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. This is the universe in which we are living in, the one dominated not by man, but by God. We can try to hide. And disguise ourselves. But at the end of the day, everything will be revealed, even in Pennsylvania. And so he said to the driver of the chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I'm wounded. But you're not just wounded, you're about to die. And the battle increased that day and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening, about the time of sunset, and he did die. Chapter 19, then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem, where he should have been the entire time and bypassed the last chapter. Don't, who, who wants to bypass the last chapter in your life? You're like, that was the dumbest waste of five years or ten years or whatever years. 
I just want to, I don't even want to think about 2020 anymore. I just want to go back home. Notice to, to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and prepared your heart to seek God. And so Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again amongst the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim, and he brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. This is the grace of God. He comes to him, the prophet says, uh, God should, should just wipe you out right now. But he's not going to Jehoshaphat because God knows your heart. Isn't that great? God comes to us and goes, uh, I should blow you up right now. But I'm not because I have a plan for you. And I want you to get back on track so we can accomplish together these great things. And what are these great things? Notice that he brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. Jehoshaphat, I can use what you did, your failure to bring people back. Everyone in this room, God can use your failures to bring people back to a place of repentance. Every failure God can use in your life, he can use in my life to bring you to a place to help. Notice verse 4, other people. So then he sent judges into the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, And he said to the judges, take heed to what you are doing. Now, I think this is good uh, counsel to the judges in America as well. Take heed to what you're doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord. And the idea is for righteousness' sake. For what is right, not what is expedient, not for a bribe in a minute, as we will see, not because of public sway or the media, or it is because of the Lord and because of righteousness. For man, not for man, but of the Lord, who is with you in judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you and take care of you to do For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Now, he's setting a contrast between himself and the judges. Do you see that? So in the judges, there is sin, there's partiality, and there is taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for the controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they had returned to Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord, notice, faithfully and with a loyal heart. And whatever case comes to you from your brethren who dwells in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offense against the law or commandments, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them lest they trespass against Yahweh God and the wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. Do this, and you will not be guilty. And take notice, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you in all these matters of the Lord, and Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, 
for all the king's matter, also the Levites and the officials, behave courageously. He's talking to leaders and judges. And I might add attorney generals. And the Lord will be with you. And so it happened that after this, chapter 20, the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So we're wrapping up the end of Jehoshaphat's life here. And I want you to take note to a couple of things. As he goes into this chapter, it's kind of at the end of his life. So at the beginning of his life, he did really well. There's that middle dumb period, that whole chapter of them, him coming back, being rebuked by the prophet, setting his heart towards the Lord. And so now this is kind of the end of that. And hear his heart through this chapter. So now he's got a great army outside the gates. Now remember, he also has a great army. How many does he have? Over a million. Would we not agree he could probably take these guys? But listen to what he does now versus what he did with Ahab. And again, this is what happens when we hang out with people who are not believers. The greatest thing that you can do as a parent is teach your kids to stop hanging out with Ahab's and Jezebel's. Amen? Why? Because it'll take them down a chapter in their life that they don't want to go down and they will have consequences of that chapter. Get away. And you as parents, tell them not to. You're the parent, not their friend. You're their parent. Where's my hanky? Getting hot up here. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, (laughs) uh, here's the captain obvious is, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are Hazaron, Tamar, which is in En Gedi. And so Jehoshaphat feared, and, and he should, and he set himself to seek the Lord And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So he sees this huge thing in front of him. He goes, okay, well, uh, that's a big deal. And so rather than making an alliance with some other king or going to Egypt or going back to, to the northern tribe of Israel, he goes to where we should go always first, verse 3, seeking the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And so Judah gathered together to help him, uh, to help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah. And they came to seek the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court and the Lord. And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? In the midst of all of the congregation of the southern tribes, he stands there and he proclaims to everybody, verse 6. He continues, Are you not God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? By the way, who loves that? Abraham, the friend of God. And And they dwelt in it. In the land, and they built a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If a disaster comes upon you, notice sword, judgment, pestilence, 
COVID or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction. Notice, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Whom would you not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt? But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon who? You. The best thing that we could ever do is fix our eyes upon Jesus, not upon the situation. Hard to do, but we can do it. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, and uh, the Levites and the sons of Asaph in the middle of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. King Jehoshaphat speaks and says, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. He is not caught off guard by any battle that ever comes in our life ever. We seem to think that he doesn't know what's going on. It's like, well, Lord, have you seen what's happened? Yeah. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to pray and seek my face? Or are you just going to fear and cower? And he said, listen to you all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He said, don't be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude. He said, tomorrow, go down against them. (laughs) Um, God often tells his people to do things that doesn't make sense and don't make military sense as well. Remember that whole walking around Jericho thing seven times? I mean, they don't teach that at West Point. Let me tell you, what you do is you walk around Mosul seven times, and at the end of that, blow your trumpet. They don't teach that. So oftentimes God tells us to do things that don't make sense, but we need to do them anyway. And they will surely come up against the ascent of Zis, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerud. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Oh, I love that phrase. Oh, this is the Lord's fight. This isn't our fight. He said, position yourself and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And so Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Why? Because God's going to fight for them. And then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korathites stood up and praised the Lord. 
the Lord God of Israel with voices, notice, loud and high. Oh, what did that listen? What did that sound like? And so they rose up early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Let, let, Let me condense that. Just believe the Bible. Everything is true from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. It's all true. All 66 books, not one of it is with with error. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the... I love this. So he gets the band ready who would sing praise to the beautiness of the holiness as they went out before the army singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir, who had come against Judah, please note with me, and they were defeated. It only takes God one line to defeat the enemy. Did you see that? Not a chapter. In fact, it could just be a word. For the people of Ammon and Moab, stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy one another. So, now, I don't mean to laugh at death here, but this is pretty funny. So you got three armies, and two of them go after the one army. And when they take out that that army, then those two armies go after each other and take themselves out. Wonderful. Lord didn't even need to bring Bob the angel into the midst. And in verse 24, And so when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth, for no one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among the abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away, and they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Now, previous kings had done dumb things, and their, the riches of the kingdom had been taken away, and God is now replenishing that by his enemy. I love when the enemy replenishes the things of the Lord. Now, on the fourth day, the assembled in the valley of Barakai, And for they blessed the Lord, therefore the name of the place was the Valley of Barakai until this day. And they returned every man of Judah and to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in the front to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for Yahweh God had made them rejoice over their enemies. And so they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, harps, trumpets, into the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on the kingdoms of all of the countries, (laughs) rightfully so, when they had heard what the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And so the the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. And so Jehoshaphat was king over Judah when he was 35 years old, and he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Ab. Azuba, thank you. I had practiced that early. I practiced these names. And then 
50 takes over. And the daughters of, uh, from Jersey, uh, verse 32. And when he walked in the way of his father Asa, notice, and he did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. What a nice way to kind of uh, run out your clock, isn't it? Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. So this is very common for most of the kings in the south. They didn't do it all. For as yet, the people had not directed the hearts to the God of their fathers. I want to make one, I'm running out of time, but I want to make one mention of verse 32. Because when it says that he did not um, take everything away, we will not be perfect until we go home. And there are always going to be things in our life that are that we need that we're battling, that we're working on. And so you you oftentimes can get downtrodden because you're like, uh, the same thing keeps coming up and up. Well, yes, because we're not learning from that, but oftentimes God is moldiness and shapiness and pruniness and doing these things and I I know it's good and it's bad when it says that but it also gives me hope that hey that guy he wasn't able to do it fully either and neither will we until we are transformed nevertheless again the high places weren't taken away for as yet the people of the Lord had not directed their hearts towards the God of their fathers which means their hearts weren't wholly towards the Lord Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and the last, indeed, are they not written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, which is mentioned in the book of the kings of Israel, so in the book of kings. Now, after this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Azahiah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. Now, why would he do that? Why would he go back and do another chapter in his life? And he allied himself to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships from Ezon Geber. But Ezon, the son of uh, Dodavah, Merah, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked, and so that they were not able to go to Tarsus. Just read the next verse. And then Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers. Now, I would rather not read those last three verses. Anyone else? You're like, this guy, I want to be like, I want a Jehoshaphat shirt. Jehoshaphat, bring back Jehoshaphat, right? Make Jehoshaphat great again. You know, just... Something, and then you read that, and you go, what is going on? Why would he do that? Why would he go and ally himself with Ahaziah, the king of Israel? Well, in that, verse 36, he says to make ships. It could very well be that, remember, Judah, the southern portion, and Israel for the most part, they're not a seafaring people at all. They're just not good at it. They don't have, you would think, well, you live right on the Mediterranean. You would think that you would be a seafaring people, but they don't. Could very well be that Jehoshaphat just wants to get into the shipping business like Solomon did. 
And so he allied himself with the guys that had ships. But is that what God wanted him to do? Probably not, because notice what happens. The Lord had destroyed his works. He didn't want him to get into the ship business at all, let alone be allied with the enemy. And I love how it says, then the ships were wrecked. How many ships are wrecked in your life, (laughs) in my life, doing really dumb things that we're not supposed to do? And God just said, you know what I love about that? When your ship is wrecked, you're not repairing that. In my mind, a shipwreck is like it's completely like wood pieces, like a big, you know, uh, a Spanish galleon that ran aground and it just broke up all apart. And God's like, go ahead, try to put that together with some wood glue. Like you're not going to. It is the grace of God that completely destroys the ships in our life. And I thank God for that. And you should thank God for that. Yeah, but did you know how much effort went involved with getting those ships? Oh, I do. But if you had gone that path and you had been successful in that, you probably wouldn't be following the Lord today. So again, God often allows that to happen. Well, read ahead. <laughs> next week, we'll get into Jehoram, uh, the next king of the city. had to teach us tonight so many different lessons. But number one, not to ally ourselves and join ourselves, Lord, with the enemy even those who are claiming to be believers. But really, Lord, there is nothing there. And so, Lord, thank you when you, when you smash the ships in our life. Lord, help us to come back to you. Lord, help us to repent and bring people into our lives that will help us down that path. And so, Father, thank you for our night. We thank you for those watching us, Lord, at home and listening over the internet. To you be the glory, Lord, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We'll work.